0: You can also find all my books on Amazon and other retailers. And now on to the show. There are a lot of technologies, trends, and customer expectations in the world of e-commerce today. Today, we're going to talk about what brands need to do to stand out in an e-commerce world. To help me discuss this topic, I'd like to welcome Laura Ritchie, EVP and COO of Radial. Laura, welcome to the show.
1: Hi, Greg. Thanks for having me. I look forward to our discussion today.
0: Yeah, me too. Looking forward to it. So why don't we start with you giving a little background on yourself as well as what you're currently doing at Radial.
1: Sounds great. I I started my career in finance, and then I moved into the retail space where I've been primarily focused on supply chain. And now I work at Radial, who is a leading e-commerce provider, providing fulfillment, transportation, customer care, Order management, as well as payment, tax, and fraud services to our clients. So, really supporting the entire e-commerce journey. And I am I'm lucky to get to uh, be the COO over all of those operations.
0: Great, great. Well, yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna touch on a lot of um, a few different aspects, at least of, of e-commerce. Uh, let's start by talking about customer care and the customer experience. So customer experience throughout the buying journey is met with rising customer expectations and continually increased competitive pressure. So focusing on the customer, uh, what are brands that do e-commerce well doing that others may not be?
1: I, I think it starts with setting the customer expectations and then delivering on those expectations. So if you say that you're going to deliver in 4 days, then deliver in 4 days. If you you promise to have inventory in stock or the customer sees that inventory is stock in stock, then make sure that you have it available for them to purchase. So a lot of it is about this kind of relationship that you set with the customer when they're browsing on on your website and placing that order about, you know, what's going to come after they place that order.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, omni-channel customer experience is getting more and more important as customers are channel switching and expect brands to keep up. I know I saw statistics um, recently that, you know, like 15 years ago or so, uh, a customer used on average maybe two channels, maybe two or three while they were shopping. Now they're using at least five or six out of... Uh, you know, many more potentials. So what kind of strains can that type of channel switching and that that omni-channel and the need for omni-channel customer experience, you know, what kind of strains can that often put on brands to deliver on? And, you know, how can a platform like Radial help there?
1: Well, Well, what we saw with the pandemic is an example of the strains that you see, right? So we went from Um, being open for business to having the store channel close and all of the inventory in those stores become difficult to access and basically impossible to sell. And at the same time, you saw buying shift to the e-commerce channel who had been um, allocated enough inventory to basically support what was expected sales in those channels. So that's really probably the most dramatic thing that we've seen when it comes to switching, because if the inventory is not accessible to satisfy that customer order, you're ultimately not going to get that sale. So one of the things that we think about with our clients is what is the best way to have your inventory available? A platform like Radial can use several warehouses that could be located on the different coasts or up in Canada, depending on what your needs are. And those warehouses can actually send the products that are needed to the store, to the store to be picked up from an online order, to the, where, to the customer's home, to another warehouse to spread the inventory out. So really keeping that agility to move the products where they need to be to meet that customer demand and therefore that delivery expectation is the most important thing that you can do to manage through that that variability and and unknown about where the order is going to want to be picked up eventually.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's it's definitely been tough going lately for for e-commerce companies. You mentioned, you know, some of the supply and, and inventory issues. There's economic uncertainty, labor shifts, labor shortages. You know, in addition to what you what you just touched on, how can how can technology solutions help e-commerce brands amidst some of these these types of challenges?
1: Yeah, I think first and foremost it's about, you know, how we think about where we put the products. So, you know, when I started in retail, you sort of used your last 3 years of information and based on that, you pushed the inventory out to the store or you know, put it in the e-commerce warehouse where it was available to maybe be sold for wholesale or for e-commerce orders. Today, we have much better tools. Everyone's talking about generative AI and predictive modeling that enable us to more closely track the selling trends and allow product to be pulled to the location that would be nearest to the expected customer demand and to more quickly pivot than we did in the past. So I think that is um, helping a lot. There's also been continuing advances in visibility technology to the customer. So if you think about your own customer purchasing experience, you might get an email that your order was received. You might get an email that someone's working on it. That you might get an email that there's a delay that has happened for some unexpected reason. You know, when it's left the warehouse, you know, when it's making its way to, to your home and so, Technology has also provided a lever, a level of visibility that customers really ha- never had before, which you know, in turn, really puts pressure on the brands to make sure that they meet those expectations.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And so, to follow on to that, you know, when it comes to the customer experience, you mentioned uh, some of the the communication and and some of the advances that technology have allowed. What do you think? that brands, maybe even some of the more savvy ones are still not paying enough attention to when it comes to customer experience.
1: Yeah. I think, I think this won't be a surprise when I say returns. So when I think about all the advances that we've done from kind of what we call click to porch, when you place the order till it gets to your house, we do not see on return. So you might have a return experience now where um, you take the product back to USPS, for example, They may give you a receipt, but you may not know where it is um, until it gets back to the retailer and you may not actually receive a credit for the, the cost of that product until the retailer is able to process it in their warehouse. So if you contrast that to what Amazon's been doing, right, they're providing access points where you can drop products off. As soon as it's verified that it's been received, you receive a credit for that merchandise and you can re-spend. So I do think that we will see some of those same things that we see in the front end of the order be adopted in the return space. I think something that's also interesting is I think you're also seeing retailers prompt people to take e-commerce returns to stores. So I recently made a purchase and I went to look on the packing slip because I was thinking about returning an item and it said, please take it to the store we'll get a different size if you need it, we'll find an alternative product if you don't love it. And you know it prompted me to go to the store locator and the language about actually packaging it up and mailing it back was quite small. And so they were encouraging you to go to the store, which we know for a brand and retailer is the best way to get incremental buying is to get that person back into the store. So it's interesting to see how, how thinking about returns is shifting.
0: Before we continue, let's take a quick break. If you're like many marketing leaders today, you're inundated with a need to improve the customer experience across an increasing number of channels and touch points, all while ensuring your team is performing well, innovating, and continuously improving. So how do you find the time to determine what's next for you, your team, your brand, and your customers? My company, GK5A, can help. Whether it is advisory services, evaluation of marketing technology platforms and solutions, or digital agencies and implementation partners, or assistance with creating strategic roadmaps and prioritization of efforts, we've done it all and served as an ally to Fortune 1000 brands and industries like financial services, healthcare, consumer electronics, professional services, and more. You can learn more about these services and contact us at www.gk5a. That's www.gk5a.com. Now let's get back to the show. So let's keep talking a bit about about technology and, you know, this wouldn't be a a podcast in 2023 if we didn't talk about AI to some degree. So I'm not going to ask about chat GPT uh, at the moment, but, you know, let's talk about autonomous technologies and, you know, how they can how they can benefit e-commerce. And where what are some of the biggest opportunities that you see to leverage some autonomous technologies in e-commerce today?
1: Yes, I'll I'll talk about robots in a minute because that's everyone's (laughs)
0: favorite thing to talk
1: about. But something that's really interesting for us too is the same way that I talked about retailers can use predictive modeling and generative AI to think about their demand patterns. We can also use that in the warehouse to make sure that we understand the volumes that we're going to receive and we can match Mm -hmm. our labor. So it's a win-win for our employees because they know that they are going to have, you know work to do, and we can make sure we have the right number of people to enable that demand. And then obviously, we're rolling out now various robotic technologies. Some of those, you know, simply reduce the walk time, which is one of the big complaints that we hear from warehouse workers. If you you know, have a million square feet building or seven hundred fifty thousand right. square foot building, That's an awful lot of walking to do in a day, all the way up to, you know, the towers of robots where you will get to stand stationary um, at your station and you're able to do much of your pick pack um, that you used to have to walk around the building to do. So it's pretty interesting to see how that continues to evolve. I do think that There is, you know, some natural limits. So obviously people have talked about these fully automated um, warehouses and what will that mean for the future. For our business, we have customers that have a much higher holiday peak or a higher sale peak. So sometimes their sales can be 20 times what they would sell on a normal day. It's going to be difficult to design a robotic solution that's cost-effective. So we find that marrying... Our skilled employees with a robotic solution is actually the most effective way to run the business.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's that's interesting. So, where where do you see uh, autonomous technologies, predictive, you know, all all of this stuff in, in e commerce heading? Maybe in the near future, what's what's t- coming down the road?
1: I think it's really removing repetitive tasks. So if we look at the robotics or autonomous technologies that are getting introduced in warehouses right now, it's to unload trucks, right? So not very glamorous to pull a bunch of uh, cardboard boxes off of a truck or pallets off of a truck. It is to do pudding, which is what we call when we take a batch of orders and we separate them into individual orders and it's a very monotonous turning Um, and putting product into individual cubbies to, to break them into those orders. So that's where we kind of see is continuing to eliminate the repetitive tasks so that what we're leaving for our employees is really those tasks that require strategy, thinking, optimization, and improvement around performance. I think with the generative AI, I do think it's going to help us in training and onboarding you know, we have a very multilingual, diverse workforce. And so the ability now to present work instructions and provide training in many languages that even pick up the nuance of dialects is really exciting. And that's going to mean that we can get our employees to productive performance in partnership with them a lot quicker than we are today. So I'm really excited about that element.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's that's great. And and to your to your first point, I mean I th- I think that's really in line with at least what I think, you know, the the promise of of AI and automation is really letting people do what people do best and and machines and and AI do what they do best. So that's that's great. And and it's it's augmentation, it's not replacement of of humans, right? So it's certainly a replacement of some of their some of their work but it's the kind of work that's repetitive and, and not necessarily rewarding either would, would you agree absolutely yeah so let's uh last topic i wanted to talk about is brand positioning and, and e-commerce uh so while great products are, are critical to e-commerce there's more to it than that and you know with many customers saying that the experience they have while buying a product or service is as or more important than the product itself which is kind of sobering news to see you know, i saw that statistic the other day and so you know in in this crowded marketplace with high customer expectations and increasing competitive pressure what are some of the key components that a brand needs to have to position itself uniquely in the e-commerce space
1: well, one of the things that we saw during the pandemic was that many brands moved their e-commerce customer experience to be closer to what you were experiencing in the store. So for example, if you went to a store and you were buying a high-end cosmetic, as an example, they you know take it, they put it in the nice box, and then they wrap tissue around it. They put a sticker on it. And they put it in a bag, you know, they pull up the strings and they walk around the counter and they hand it to you. Obviously not entirely replicatable in the e-commerce experience, but we have seen that that is now the ass. So instead of maybe that nice box going into a cardboard box and coming to your house with the label on it, we're seeing that that box gets wrapped in tissue and maybe um, is put in another box and comes to your house with the same sticker so that when you open it and you see these, you know, YouTube videos or, or things online on social media all the time of this unboxing experience, that you're having that same type of brand experience going so far as fragrance, tissue paper, specific notes. So actually some of our packers do handwritten notes saying, you know, packed by Laura, um, you know, with love or whatever the sentiment is. So I think that really it's thinking about what is important about the customer experience to your customer and then how do you replicate that wherever they shop so even if they were to buy your product at a wholesaler you know so another retailer then how is that retailer ensuring that the you have a consistent experience which really drives brand loyalty and lifetime customer value right because i know what i'm going to get and i like it and i keep going back to have that same experience. So I think it's really understanding, you know, what your brand positioning is. I think the thing to think about with that though, is there is a large push around sustainability and how we think about the climate and the long-term. So we have to make sure that we're doing it in a way that is also respectful of our commitments that we've made around sustainability.
0: Yeah. 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 I mean, I remember, you know, back in the day, opening an Apple product, you know, whatever the case, laptop or whatever the case may be, you know, it was always kind of an experience. And now, you know, to what you're saying, it's, I'm seeing that a lot, a lot more. So, you know, creating that, creating that great experience. It's, it's interesting how that can translate to, to an e-commerce space. But yeah, I mean, how do you, um, how are you seeing brands kind of take that take that balance between maybe extravagant packing and all that and you know to what you just said you know the the sustainable aspect like where do you see that where do you see that headed
1: so I think the technology continues to advance that is going to enable us um, to manage how we're doing that so as an example you can now, print a QR code on a box that can be unique to that customer Mm. and that contain information specific to those products. So continuing with my cosmetics example, if you've bought, you know, a face cream or a lipstick, it will be able to tell you what the ingredients are and how you can use them, you know, relying less on having all of the information potentially in the product box itself, as Mm. well as anything about returns. So, you know, for companies that are still using paper pack slips that are included, you could put that in the QR code. And then a lot of customers, um, um, clients used to have inserts, right. Where you would open it up and you would have a couple postcards that would give you either other offers or recommend similar products yeah. that will all be able to be accessed by QR codes in the future. Um, removing all of that ancillary so then you'll really be able to focus on that brand experience and then as you flip up the lid or wherever that decides to be placed you can just use your phone and get all that information that used to be stuff that to be honest many people scoop into the trash if it's not needed you'll actually get more uh, more eyes on it right because once yeah. I scan on my phone, it's going to all pop up and I'll probably page through it rather than kind of how I used to maybe push some of that into the trash.
0: Well, and also as a brand, I mean, you know, there's, lot, there's lots of benefits there to the brand because they actually know who is looking at it and when and, and all of that as well. Particularly when brands are having a hard time with third party data and, you know, they need to collect more first party data from their customers anyway. So that's, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a win-win win, I guess, for customers, brands and and the, the environment. So, yeah, that's that's interesting.
1: Yeah. And what what'll be nice about that is that you'll be able then, like you said, to understand their preferences better. So I know yeah. all of us get, you know, uh, many, many emails every day. It's become more of a noisy channel than productive, you know, so right. to your point, it's a great way, you know, to continue to engage with that customer post-purchase. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Beyond that, that shift to sustainability and, and things, any other trends that you're seeing with the brands you work with in the months and years ahead when it comes to you know branding positioning?
1: I, I do think that people will continue um, to focus on the returns experience. So yeah. actually, one of the things that we started to see in this, again, kind of goes back to Thinking about, you know, the future and sustainability, some brands are suggesting that you don't return an item, right? If at the end of the day, the cost of the return, both in transportation and in the physical handling of the product, doesn't really make sense. They're suggesting that you donate the product, right? Or that you gift Mm -hmm. it um, to someone else. And so I do think there will be a lot more to talk about in kind of the circular use of particularly like apparel and, you know, packaging for beauty products. So I'm curious to see how the circular use of products and, you know, the focus on like recycling of apparel right now is really big. So I do think brands need to think about like the life cycle of their products. So when the product is, you know, used up or has reached its useful life, where does it go and what does it do and how does that become Part of the brand experience, it it benefits them because you might want to replace it or upgrade or whatever, you know, the item is, but it also is a good, a good story around sustainability and continuing to protect the planet.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, Laura, thanks so much for joining the show. I've got one last question before we wrap up here. Uh, you've given a lot of great advice already, but what's maybe one piece of advice you'd have for for brands that they can do today or at least get a start on today to take a step towards better positioning their brands in the e-commerce space?
1: Well, first, Greg, I just want to thank you for having me today. It was a, a great conversation. I, as you can tell, I'm passionate about these topics. You know, my advice actually is a question. I think you should ask your customers what they want. So we have a lot of brand partners and what we see is we're still maybe trying to speculate about what the customer wants. So does the customer really expect two to three day delivery all the time for all of our products? Does the customer appreciate and enjoy the unboxing experience that we talked about earlier? If I've made improvements in my return experience, are they welcome? Do they think it's easier? Say I took the pack slip out of the box. Does that resonate with them? I think that, you know, I've been in retail a long time and we were really rich with data, right? We were able to do in-person focus groups. You could spend hours and hours in stores. And I do see that the pandemic disrupted some of those ways that we used to interact with our customers and certainly e-commerce, you know, with them not being physically present, we interact in a different way. So I think it's really important that you gather those customer insights, that you spend the time to understand what your customer wants, um, what your future or desired customers want, and then focus your energy on that because there's so many things that we can be doing. We really want to make sure that we're focused on those top two or three items that are going to create that brand loyalty and increase the value of that customer relationship with the brand.
0: Yeah, yeah, love love that advice. That's great. Well, again, I'd like to thank Laura Ritchie, EVP and COO of Radial for joining the show. You can learn more about Laura and Radial by following the links in the show notes. Thanks again for listening to the Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom podcast, brought to you by Tech Systems. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to subscribe on your podcast channel of choice and leave us a rating so that others can find the show more easily. You can access more episodes of the show at www.gregkilstrom.com. That's G-R-E-G-K-I-H-L-S-T-R-O-M.com. To get a copy of my latest book, House of the Customer, visit my website, or you can find it on Amazon or other retailers. The Agile brand is produced by Missing Link a Latina-owned, strategy-driven, creatively-fueled production co-op. From ideation to creation, they craft human connections through intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Until next time, stay agile.
1: At Granger, we're for the ones who specialize in saving the day and for the ones who've mastered the art of keeping business moving.